0: Eight hundred three zero six one
1: seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 1760
2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Hey, 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 ho, 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 your ugly face has got to go. Rick Tittle with you. We got a fresh week of sports talk here. Happy Monday morning to you, or should I say, just hitting noontime on the East Coast. I'm walking here. I'm from New York. Let's talk some sports. I cover all of them. I'm an expert in everything. Now, anything you want to talk about in the world of sports football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quidditch, drill, ball, chest, checkers, rugby, cricket, that type of stuff. We'll do it together at the toll free line. Don't be shy. 1 800 878 Play. We got Daniel on the other side of the ga- glass and gas. He's very gassy this morning. Had some beans, but uh, he's poised like a jungle cat to pounce on the phone, put you on the air. Once again, the toll free line 1 800 878 Play at 7529. You want to write me an email. Uh, You've—I A lot of people in Africa have passed away and have named me as their beneficiary, and it's a lot of gold. All I have to do is, I didn't realize I had so many relatives there, but all I have to do is just give them my bank account, and um, I'm going to be rich. And when I get that gold, and when they transfer it into my checking account after I give them the number, I'm going to turn this place into a parking lot. And I don't mean a highly lucrative, multi-structure parking lot. I mean an empty lot. Feel free to park and squat on it. All right. Also, uh, we're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app, Twitch.tv. There I am resplendent on the 1080p Logitech webcam. Also, how about on CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network, Channel 2, on your cable provider. You can get that way as well. We can uh, catch you uh, also on the internet at sportsbyline.com. Go there, click listen live. Any emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. And the Twitter's at Rick Tittle. we got a Super 16 voter, as we usually do on Mondays. We've got a, f- a couple filmmakers. we got Rosmus Ankersen, the owner of Brentford Football Club. The Dane. We'll talk to him. All that stuff. Come on back, y'all.
1: that's 800-817-2968. Hello, you there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
6: Oh, come now. Don't be ashamed. (laughs) We all have our idiosyncrasies.
7: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: Wow, that is something else. I'll tell you that. Hey, we're starting off with open lines if you'd like to get in. I mean, obviously, it's a Monday morning, so we're going to take a look <clears throat> at some of the uh, the action from the NFL. Uh, my Raiders on Sunday Night Football uh, put up a uh, pretty humiliating uh, showing. <laughs> it's funny. Deshaun Jackson comes to the team. Wears the number one jersey. Derek Carr hits him. He turns around, starts running the wrong way, has the ball slapped out of his hands. Derek Carr also threw two of the worst dead duck desperation throws. I remember my uh, <clears throat> when I was a freshman in high school, I went out for quarterback, and this other guy beat me out, and so I played safety. And I remember the very first game, every time he dropped back, he would throw the ball straight up into the air up for grabs. And let's just say he didn't keep his job long. But my point is, is that when you're 14 years old and scared, that's what you do. That's not what you do when you're making $25 million a year. (laughs) Um, Jonathan Abram proved that he's basically useless uh, as far as covering. You know, to me, Jonathan Abram is really just a special teams gunner uh, at this point. I don't trust him with anything. It's it's hard because the defense was out on the field the entire game, but the uh, the Chiefs made a laughing stock out of the Raiders, and Patrick Mahomes four hundred six yards, five touchdown passes, no picks. Patrick Mahomes now has played the Raiders seven times and has twenty touchdown passes. <clears throat> I might have guessed even more, twenty touchdown passes in seven games and uh 516 yards in offense and uh the funny thing was ha ha was that this was 17 to 14 or sorry 17 to 7 at the half and then the raiders got it to 17 14 in the third quarter and then the chiefs had 24 straight unanswered points and um this uh, we got Charlie on the line. Okay, let's go to Charlie out in New York City. What's up, Charlie?
2: Hey, Rick. I hope you uh, had a good weekend. Up until last night at about well five o'clock your time,
5: yeah, thirty your time.
2: Anyway, i, I I'm not, you're, you're talking about the game. That that game was a pile of vomit. They were they were embarrassed in every aspect of the game. I just read a stat online. Abrams was targeted nine times and had nine completions against him. He 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 is useless. Um, I don't know what happened to the defense. They This did not show last night. Uh, I, 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 um, I, I guess they, exec- they tried to execute a certain game plan against Mahomes where you don't blitz them. I mean, Gus Bradley is not a big blitzing coordinator anyway. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless from that, that, that game. Um, Derek Carr, what you said, that's the type of play. I, I played... I play I play pickup football on Sunday, sometimes with a bunch of guys up in Central Park. I, I play quarterback, and I stink. And and, and we play with a Mississippi pass rush. So I literally... A guy texted me who I played with and he says, that's the pass you threw when you were <laughs> I just closed my head and just threw it up into the middle of the field, and of course it was picked off. The, those are plays like that where I... I'm... I mean, I don't think Carr... Is a winning quarterback. I, I I called you last week and I said, well, you don't. I think they should tear it apart, tear it down, and start over. And you, I, I think you were against that. Yeah. I I mean, if they finish the season eight and nine or nine and eight, you're comfortable going forward with this regime with no Amaya
3: No, and, I I, and I, I head coach. Well, I said I was going to give Carr one more year. And this is the year you can't tear it down now. So they do have, no. a, and they have a winning record. I mean, if this if they were you know two and seven, um, it would be something else. They're they're five and four. If they win the next two games, we'll forget about this. Uh, kinda. Um, so all is not lost for the Raiders season yet. But I this is this was my last year with Carr. I thought one more year, and the basacha thing. Uh, any any inkling that he would stick around next year, I mean, the, the only way he could do that is I think if he won the Super Bowl. But they need to find a guy like a McVay or a Staley or just you know a guy that a young guy like when Gruden first came in, you know, someone right. who can right. you know not an old fat John Gruden like we got this time, but a real innovator and a motivator. I remember being at practice out in Alameda in John Gruden's first year when he came in the first time. And he was holding tackling dummies and he was like flying into people, you know, he's like five foot six and he's flying into people and I was like, God, that guy has got so much passion. And it rubbed right. off, you know, and now he's just he was sort of a character of himself after ten years on Monday Night Football. So I
2: know he became a caricature. But <clears throat> how how do they go into last night's game? I mean, the Chiefs knew the significance of last night's game. The Raiders just seemed to be like there was no emotion. They they even though the game was sort of in the balance at halftime, they only had 80 yards of offense. I mean, when Derek is your leading rusher, I mean, I'm I'm just like, is that on is that on Basaccia? Is that not lighting a fire on the backside?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, listen, these guys have whoever the coaches. These guys have to show up, and the Chiefs' defense was, you know, bordering on a joke and And Josh Jacobs has seven touches for sixteen yards, and you're right, Derek Carr scrambles for eighteen, and they get fifty yards rushing and you know most of it's from carr and it's just there was zero run game, so when there's zero run game, everybody just sits back and waits them uh, to pass and that was easy to defend, and then they would bring the house but the the fact that uh i think it was pointed out late in the game that that hill had 83 yards receiving and he was the third leading leading receiver <laughs> for <laughs> for the chiefs it was uh and the defense was up but the the, the defense has so many scrubs like the, to me the jonathan abram the you know the amari cooper trade that was the pick and and he's he's useless uh you got guys like facy son and uh you know, know it's just it's it's a it's a joke unfortunately and but as I said, I, I can't throw the the, the bathwater out yet at five and four, but I, I'm with you. I, I, I think I've seen enough of Derek. Um, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great one.
2: Yeah, I, I would just assume they go if they go eight, nine, nine, and eight or whatever, they, they will bring in a new GM and a new head coach, and I would assume they would want at least to say to Carr, if they wanted to keep him, well, we're sort of going to rebuild, do you want to be a part of this or are we going to move on? I I've, I've seen enough of Carr now after after uh, maybe it's in the moment but after last week's game against the Giants I know he won 31 for 34 against the Eagles blah 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 but like I keep saying he's a good quarterback he's above slightly above average quarterback that has moments of brilliance and then he does things like last night where he those two passes or what you can go back a couple of years ago when he reaches out against the he fumbles it out of the end zone he tries to reach against the or against a game, I keep I kept bringing it up with you against Tennessee when they're losing by 80 points on a fourth and goal, and he throws the ball away instead of just just these little things that just separate him from I think a type of quarterback you need to win. And I'm I'm ready to move on. with
3: Well, let, let me tell you a name, and this is just a little name here halfway through November, and um. That is uh, um, the Corral, the quarterback at Ole Miss. I saw him play, and, okay. and he had so much, um, just uh, so much leadership, and he had a great arm. And then I saw him uh, against Texas A and M. For some reason, I parked my ass in front of that game for about a half hour. And that guy has got a tremendous arm and great leadership skills. So um, I'm not real big on some of these other names. But that would be a name. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing out there. Just remember the name. Corral Ole Miss. Corral. I am I a will. fan. Yeah. I, all
2: right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I didn't lose my S like I did. I, I, my final. I thought I thought the Chiefs would play well. I expected the Raiders to play better. But to, to lose by almost 30 points on national TV to your arch rivals, which it's not really even a rivalry anymore because the Chiefs have dominated it for the last 30 years. It's it's just beyond embarrassing. It's you know, it's embarrassing to be a Raiders fan. Anyway, Rick, that's all I got buddy. I'll keep listening.
3: Thanks Charlie, I appreciate it. We'll take a quick break and when we come back on the other side we'll bring in Chris Green, film director.
8: Blue Goo, a try. Call 1 888 3300123 and you'll receive a one week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is 1 888 3300123. If you want more information on Blue Goo, visit online at www.dodogoo.com Now available at select big five stores near you. Do you need to sell your home? If you've
1: sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. And learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. Again, that's 800-449-1759. That's 800-693-8290. Uh,
8: you know,
9: people are always asking me, Tiger, uh, how do you do it? And my answer is shut up. Uh, I ask the questions around here. I'm Tiger Woods.
7: thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Chris Green. He has a brand new movie uh, that he has directed called The Pebble and the Boy, and it'll be available here in North America tomorrow, digital uh, and on demand. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the genesis behind this project. How did it get off the ground?
10: Hi, Rick. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, essentially, um, I don't know if your listeners will know much about mods and the subculture that is mod that uh, first started in the 60s over here in the UK. Well, when I, when I was growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, it had a bit of a revival. So it was people who dressed sharp, rode Lambretta or Vespa scooters and uh, wore long fishtail parkas. Um, some of them, you know, military grade M51 and M65 Parkers. <laughs> so I grew up with that fashion and the music that went with it. And um, there was a band over here in the UK called um, The Jam who were part of this mod revival. And they had four number one hits over here in the UK, a real big mod band band. Um, and I got into a singer called Paul Weller and I followed his career. And um, I bumped into him after a gig over in Cork in Ireland about 10 years ago. Uh, and on the way home, I, I had the idea for this film about a, a young guy whose dad was a mod back in the in the early 80s and who'd passed away. And uh, there's a place in the UK called Brighton and it's a bit of a, a mod mecca where they all used to flock to. And um, they still do. So I had this idea about this kid who takes his dad's ashes to Brighton to uh, to scatter them in the sea, and he goes. Uh, he sets off on his dad's 1967 Lambretta to get there as well.
3: Well, you, you're preaching to the choir. I was born in 1965 and loved the Jam, and it was just funny. I oh, was, great! Uh, yeah, on the way to work, I was just listening to That's Entertainment uh, in my uh, pods, and um, spent many a lot of time over there, and uh, been to Brighton uh, as well. Oh, so. Brilliant. Yeah, so, um, but I, I just, I loved the, the mod scene at the time, and as we called it in America, the new wave, you know. As, uh new
10: wave, yeah, the second, The
3: second British invasion, and um, yes, <laughs> what was, uh, first of all, where are you from? I'm getting kind of a northern accent out of you.
10: Correct, absolutely spot on, Rick. I'm from Manchester, up in the north of, uh, in the, north of the UK, north of England.
3: Are you uh, Old Trafford or Eastlands?
10: <sighs> Eastlands. I'm a city fan, but only till I die.
3: I remember going to Main Road after they had dropped down two really? levels. Ah, yeah. oh,
10: mate, yeah, that's when I used to go home and away. Yeah, so you know loads. You know loads about us, Rick.
3: Yes, you know I. Uh, I'm a lifelong uh, Spurs man. I I wrote for European Soccer oh, right. Weekly. I've spent uh, yeah, been to England double digit times. I was uh, right. It's, uh, it's in it's in my blood. So for you, uh, as a uh, a Mancunian, uh, what was it about? Um, uh, the, you know Paul Weller and and uh, sort of hitching your wagon to to him what was it about him that spoke to you
10: well um the older guys in school were mods and they were into into the jam and you know wanting to be part of that uh, part of that group so i wanted to listen to to that music and then when i did start started listening to it i think the first album i got was all mod cons i was absolutely hooked And then I started going to the gigs and, you know, well, Paul Weller, we call him the mod father over here because, you know, he's super cool. (laughs) He's he's, he's the epitome of mod. You know, he's 62 now. He still dresses really sharp. He's just started a new tour today in the UK, actually. So I'm hoping to to go and see him. But, yeah, I followed him all my life. And then you'll know, Rick, that after the jam split up, he... um, he formed the style council, mm-hmm. which was even more of a mod band, you know, um, with French and Italian influences in the way that he dressed and the music was wonderful. And then onto his solo career and the pebble and the boy, which is the the title of the film was a track that I was listening to, uh, around the time that I met Paul very briefly after this gig. And yeah, he's just been a massive part of my life. And he, you know, there's a there's a, a small subplot running through the film as they head off from Manchester to Brighton about Paul Weller. You know they find two tickets to go and see a gig in his dad's um, Parker pocket, so that that spurs them on. So yeah, it's just uh, it's always been there. The political stuff was big for me. Um, I think you know we had. <laughs> the wonderful Margaret Thatcher over here at the time, you know, and uh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big fan, I never was, and uh, so yeah, I th- I learned, you know, my political stance based on Paul and his his lyrics, and uh, his music's just always been there.
3: couple more questions for Chris Green, the new film, The Pebble and the Boy, out here in North America tomorrow. I. For for me, I was I was a huge Human League fan, and um, oh. you think about that sort of coming out of Sheffield of all places, and then yeah. ABC and the English Beat. And I think a lot of people miss and, misconstrue that when you had uh, guys uh, throwing on makeup, that this this wasn't glam. Glam was something else. This was a, a whole new thing, and this is why you know I'm also a punk fan. And I remember an Exploited song, which was. You know f a mob kill a mob today that whole yeah. thing i mean that yeah, yeah. A, lo- a lot of the mods faced getting beat up just walking down the high road
10: that's true they did you know off the rock off the rockers in the sixties um clashes with skinheads mm-hmm. in the in the mid seventies you know that may or may not have been a little bit uh, far right or you know some other uh, undesirable uh, just a tad to the little, right little, uh, <laughs> just a tad to the right well funny you should mention the human league rick i'm going to see them next month oh wow here in Manchester for the very first time in my life wow. uh, i've been listening a lot to the dare album uh um, love
3: that. favorite album
10: is it um yeah. it's there for me it's right up there top top five albums of all time for me and uh, i've been listening to it a lot and i said to my wife they're playing in manchester so she uh it was our anniversary yesterday. So she's got us tickets to go and see them. And I'm absolutely thrilled. Can't wait.
3: No doubt. And I would imagine in this film, it was mouthwatering to pick the soundtrack.
10: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are so many songs that could have gone in there. Um, and for a tiny little micro budget film, I'm absolutely amazed that we've got four Paul Weller penned songs, you know, because you know, he's, He's huge in the UK. He's known around the world, um, a massive artist. Um, and we had a lot of support from Paul and his family. His sister, Nika, came on board and, uh, and, and supported us with our music uh, requests. And not, and not just Paul, but you know other mod revival bands like Secret Affair and The Chords that I was, that I was into, and some new music as well, The Electric Stars, who are a, a current mod band, and Aziz Ibrahim who's um, at Manchester based. He's played with the Stone Roses and he's got a track on there called Middle Road. And it's, it's funny that the track that's on there, he sings on it and plays Paul Weller's on it. Manny from the Stone Roses um, and Steve White, who played drums um, in the style council as well. So a real, a uh, real super group, but yeah, it was an absolute delight to, I didn't get every song that we wanted, but um we got every song that we wanted uh, via Paul Weller, and uh, I'm very grateful to that, for that support.
3: Let me ask you this question: You're walking down the street today after this interview. On one sidewalk, there's Sergio Aguero, and on the other sidewalk, there's <laughs> on the other sidewalk it's it's Mike Summerby. Where do you go first?
10: <laughs> um, well, well. I think Mike Summerbee will be walking a lot slower, so I think I'd have a, I'd, I'd, I'd have time to have a good chat with Sergio, who's been a bit poorly, I believe. Um, did you hear yeah. that he collapsed in a, a Barcelona game?
3: Yeah, uh, know, last week, yeah. and
10: yeah, but yeah, I'm sure he's going to be fine. But it'd be Sergio for me. He was, uh, he, tr- he, you know, he's part of the the transformation for yeah. our club. Well, that goal he, against Mike-
3: QPR, I mean, you probably still are got your head spinning.
10: Well, I, I still have it saved uh, on um, on the TV, and we watch it every every now and again. We'll put it on, and we'll watch the full match. You mm-hmm. know, um, me and my wife will just maybe watch the last ten minutes. And it's weird. I still think we're going to get beat. <laughs> 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 and I've watched it must be a hundred times. But yeah, that was one of my greatest um, ever moments in sport. That was that's a never never to be repeated. Mike Summerby, a little bit before my time, mm-hmm. but you know I'm aware of what he did. His son played. Um, yeah. at Main Road. You'll, you'll remember Nick, Nicky yeah, Nikki. Yeah, He mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, Nicky was great on the wing. Uh, not quite as good as his dad. But yeah, two legends, but Sergio for me.
3: All right, yeah. uh, great stuff. And um, I could talk to Chris all day about music and, uh, and soccer as well. But everybody, make sure to check out this film. It's going to be really great. The Pebble and the Boy in uh, Canada and here in the United States, uh, on demand. And uh, this comes... Uh, from uh, our friends over at, uh, what's the production company again? Oh, Lightbulb Film Lightbolt. Distribution, yes. Lightbulb nice.
10: Film Distribution, yeah. made uh, And our film company is called North of Watford Films. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're trying to get the north of England on the map. I remember going know, to
3: Vicarage but, Road and uh, leaving oh, that ground, right. and I had to walk through someone's garden. I mean, that was... Really? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right, good talking to you, Chris. Thanks for coming on, Rick, man.
10: I've really enjoyed it. Lovely to speak to you. All the
3: best. All right, you too. Come on back, y'all.
0: Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
12: Steelman pills. Things weren't always looking up if you catch my drift, so my doctor prescribed me a little something.
11: Like Viagra?
12: Yeah, but that's expensive and it wasn't covered by my insurance. Steelman pills cost me less than three bucks a pill and virtually the same effect. I just called and got over 40 pills for only $99. Uh,
11: I have this friend who might be
12: looking and... Well, if your friend wants some help, the consultation is free over the phone. No clinic. Steelman pills sends it in the mail in a confidential package.
11: I'm on it. I'm
12: I mean my friend will be on
1: it steel man pills going the extra mile to help men with erectile dysfunction 800-399-3691 800-399-3691 800-399-3691 that's 800-399-3691
9: you and your phone have been through a lot this past year. It's been your lifeline to the world. And now some big wireless company is telling you you got to buy a new phone from them and sign their contract? They don't control you. With TrackPhone Wireless, you can keep the phone, number, and network you already have. Already got a 5G phone? Keep that too. Because TrackPhone runs on America's best networks now with 5G nationwide. Plus, we've got unlimited talk and text smartphone plans starting at just 20 bucks. TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. 5G nationwide access requires a 5G-capable device. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary.
7: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: Uh, I think that's a a bit of an exaggeration. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated out of San Francisco nationally around the globe on American Forces Radio Network. You know we love the Super 16 poll, and on Mondays we bring in one of those pollsters. And uh, I want to remind everyone, if you do join the National Football Foundation as a champion for the game, your membership comes with a vote in the College Football Hall of Fame elections a champion for the game, T-shirt, coffee mugs, and much more. You can find out. Just go online to footballfoundation.org. Once again, footballfoundation.org. And on that, uh, we welcome uh, back to the show Phil Steele of Phil Steele Publications. Phil, welcome back to the program. And, um, you know, the the first thing I checked, and it's very transparent, the first thing I checked was how much love you were going to give the Bearcats And you had them where I have them at five, but a lot of people want to make them two, want to make them three. It's just not going to happen, is it?
13: I think it very well could happen. Uh, What they need to have happen to move up eventually uh, would be an Oregon loss, uh, be an Ohio State loss. And uh, I think when you look at, like last week, for example, If I was a Cincinnati fan, I would have been concerned that Oklahoma would win out. Because if Oklahoma would have won out and beaten Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and then a rematch with Oklahoma State, they would have had four ranked teams in four weeks, and they would have passed up Cincy. But now that's not going to happen. There's only three unbeatens out there. So I think if you're a Bearcat fan, you're rooting against the Ducks this week in Utah and uh, hoping that Ohio State or Michigan slips up somewhere along the line before those two meet. But uh, I think they've got the potential to move up there.
3: You know, when I? one of the things I like about the poll is that there's only 16 teams, so you're not going to have some schmucks like you might get in a top 25. So for you, how much do you do hand-wringing about who you're going to put in? Like I noticed 15 and 16, you have Pitt and uh, there's Baylor, and, and uh, I don't see anybody else with those two teams. What about Pitt and Baylor do you like?
13: Well, Pitt's a team that slipped up twice this year. The Western Michigan game was a game that uh, they lost uh, at home, and then they had one other loss. But other than that, they've been very good. Kenny Pickett is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. The defense gets after the quarterback. Uh, They're going to find themselves in the ACC championship game, and when they get there they'll probably be favored. Now, they do have to beat Virginia this week, but I think they're a good-sized favorite there. Should be able to beat Syracuse on the road. Their other loss came to Miami, and that was one week after knocking off Clemson. So I think right now Pitt, with just two losses, is my favorite to win the ACC, and that's why I've got them up there at number 15. And, of course, Baylor... Uh, proved what they could do last week. Uh, I was very impressed with the defense against Oklahoma. Unexpected, I might say. I thought Oklahoma was going to win that game by over a touchdown. They did not. So came away very impressed with Baylor, and uh, I think they deserve to be in the top 16. And, and what the heck, they're still, uh, still alive in that chase in the Big 12.
3: Ohio State, as you mentioned, they they finally did what a lot of fans were waiting for. And maybe people think Purdue might have been a little overranked, but still they looked like a contender. And Stroud throws five touchdowns, and Henderson runs for a couple. And this was sort of the the offensive firepower that we were were looking for here. So uh, Ohio State uh, staying in that top four.
13: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, the big thing here, Rick, is I heard all kinds of Uh, Folks around the country uh, complaining about Michigan being ranked ahead of Michigan State and saying that uh, the committee was throwing out the head-to-head. That is not the case whatsoever. The committee is only supposed to consider head-to-head if they're within range of each other. And look at this week's line, for example. Ohio State is a three-touchdown favorite over Michigan State. If Ohio State was playing Michigan this week, they might be a seven-point favorite in the game. So, I mean, there's a big difference between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State on the year uh, has, is actually being outgained in Big Ten play. Uh, they are minus uh, 29 yards per game in Big Ten play. Meanwhile, Michigan is taking care of business. They're actually outgaining Big Ten foes by 105 yards per game. And then you go look at their matchup when the two played. I mean, Michigan led by 16. They outgained Michigan State by 100 yards. I think if Michigan met Michigan State on a neutral field right now, Michigan would probably be close to a double-digit favorite in the game. So the committee did not throw out head-to-head last week. They just simply said Michigan's a better team than Michigan State, and that's why they're ranked ahead of them.
3: Very interesting. You know, and I look at Wake, and after their hiccup and their first loss, we kind of thought, well, you know, how are they going to respond? And they came into their game against NC State – with, uh, you know, the Demon Deacons, one of the best teams in the ACC, when the dust cleared, they did win by, what was it 45-42, and they all but clinched the ACC Atlantic for the first time in like uh, 15 years. Sam Hartman had three turnovers, but they were still able to get it done. Uh, this is the best Wake team that, that I can remember, but how do you see them now as the almost cracking your top ten?
14: Yeah,
13: I've got them at number 11 right now. I'm very impressed with what they did last week against NC State. As you mentioned, that was a showdown game. And really, Rick, the best thing that happened awake was probably uh, losing that game to North Carolina. It was a non-conference game, and I think what happened was, and what happened to a lot of the teams, is you remember two weeks ago when the rankings first came out, all of those teams at the top of the rankings struggled. And The reason for that, and I see it every year, is all the players start worrying about where we're ranked, what we're going to do, what we have to do to advance to the playoff, And with Wake Forest, that sort of got eliminated when they lost that game to North Carolina. So they could just focus on the game on the field. They've got a tough test this week. They play Clemson on the road. Clemson's a very good team. I think that's going to be a great game. And they even close with Boston College. But they're one win away. They just have to win one of those two to get to the ACC title game. And the big thing here, when I talked to Coach Clawson uh, right after the spring practice was over, going through the team this year, he said they normally fade down the stretch because of the lack of depth. But this year, due to the fact they were able to return so many players, it's the deepest team he's had. So I don't expect that fade late in the year. And I I love their offense. It's uh, it's one of the more intriguing to watch. That slow option read that they have at the line of scrimmage is uh, at the mesh point is really... Uh, Uh, An interesting thing to watch on a weekly basis.
3: A couple more questions for Phil Steele, Super 16 pollster. For someone who doesn't follow college football, you might have a hard time explaining how you can score 70 points in a win and yet be humiliated. And (laughs) (laughs) with Samford getting 52 points, and I know Dan Mullen fired Tom Grantham as D.C. after some bad results, but if you think about the Gamecocks and then Samford in consecutive weeks, 92 points, what's going on in the Swamp?
13: Wow. I think it comes to uh, probably right at the the head of the thing. I mean, if you follow Mercer this year in FCS action, they hadn't scored more than 45 points in a game. They were averaging uh, 34 points per game, and they go and put 52 up, including uh, 42 in the first half against Florida. So, uh, you know, firing the defense coordinator doesn't always get you the results. I think it was a lack of focus, though, personally. A lot of stuff going on in Florida. They thought they were a top-ten team at the start of the year. All of a sudden, they need to win one of these last two games just to make it to a bowl. Uh, and you, Dan Mullen's press conferences are interesting. Let's say that at the end of the game. He was pretty elated that they beat Sanford last week.
3: <laughs> when you look at uh, Texas – and Sarkisian there and and they haven't lost five straight games since before I was born. Uh, Kansas hadn't won a Big 12 road game since since 08. Uh, The last time Kansas lost to Texas, Charlie Strong got fired. So what's going on in Austin and what will be the ramifications?
13: Well I can explain their first couple of losses. Remember they led Oklahoma by 17. They led Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. Uh, They led Baylor in the fourth quarter. Those are all pretty good games, which they just happened to come up one point short. But now the wheels have sort of come off. The Iowa State game getting beat by 23 not only losing to Kansas last week but now they lost Bijan Robinson their top running back the Heisman candidate he's out for the season and they've got to go travel to West Virginia which is a tough test so I think Sarkeesian stepped into a situation that uh, was pretty good heading into the year but those close losses seem to have caught up with them and uh, wow five losses in a row for Texas I, I, I did not envision that coming into the year Rick
3: I also did not envision the run that OK State is on right now. And, you know, they had beaten, like, Missouri State, Tulsa, Boise State, all really close games, the the nail-biter against Iowa State. But lately the Cowboys have been unstoppable. The demolition of, uh, of TCU, and they've already uh, beaten Baylor. I mean, they are on a clean path to the Big 12 title game. And would you say that OK State is now the favorite in that conference.
13: Yeah, I'd have to put them as the favorite, especially with the fact they get Bedlam, the game against Oklahoma mm-hmm. at home. So, they're going to be favored in that game and they're doing it the old-fashioned way, Rick, and that's with defense. In fact, you look at the top 2 defenses in the country, uh they are number 1 Georgia, number 2 Wisconsin. They are right at each other, but Oklahoma State's got the number three defense. They're holding opponents to 142 yards per game below their season average. And in this era of offensive football, to be holding opponents at 282 yards per game, 20 years ago that would be good. Now it's great that you're doing that because everybody's putting four or 500 yards up in a game. But the offense has really started to come around. And you hit it right on the head, Rick. You go back to the start of the season, they were fortunate to get past Tulsa, fortunate to get past Boise. Same thing with Missouri State. Uh, they played Kansas State with the backup quarterback but now the offense going spencer sanders has got a 14-6 ratio uh, jalen warren is over a thousand yards rushing and tay martin brennan presley starting to emerge a receiver the offensive line getting better blocking so they are a force to be reckoned with and we might see at oklahoma state enter into the playoff type of mix as a one loss big 10, 12 champ if they can get past bedlam which has always been a, a tough series for them
3: No doubt. Last question for you. As a California native, and, you know, I played D2 in the 80s, but at that time you had John Robinson at USC, you had Terry Donahue at UCLA, and Don James at Washington, and the the Pac-10 was just a force to be reckoned with. And outside of Oregon, they basically don't exist (laughs) right now. Do we – you look at the Najee Harris, who's from my area, and, you know, Nick Saban gets him, and I don't blame him for going to Alabama. Do you think the Pac-12 will ever rise up again?
13: Yeah, football's pretty cyclical. Uh, I think right now it's hard to envision that they could get back up there in the next two to three years. But, yeah, I do think uh, that we will see them rise back up and and become a power once again. And, you know, Utah is a team that uh, two years ago almost made it to the playoff. Uh, They lost the Pac-12 title game, or they would have made it into the playoff, and they also did make the playoff. Uh, A couple years ago So they're a team that's uh, I liked what Whittingham's doing there But you're right I I think what happens to the Pac-12, Rick They cannibalize each other Everybody's beating each other up And you end up with everybody With two, three losses At the end of the year And no uh, playoff caliber teams
3: they should just pick a team and decide to have that team go undefeated, a little insider insider trading.
13: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, tell the refs prior to the game, hey, we need these guys to go undefeated this year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's been the big problem with the Pac-12, but it would be really nice if somebody emerged from there one of these years. Now, Oregon, if they go into Utah this week, I will be very impressed with them. And I have them ahead of Ohio State because they are a talented team. Uh, they did go into Columbus and beat them head-to-head. And as good as Ohio State's looked – that's not a lot better than what Oregon has looked. So I, I think the Ducks have that opportunity uh, if they get past Utah this week to uh, to control their destiny and making
3: a playoff spot. And that's Phil Steele from Phil Steele Publications. Remember to join the National Football Foundation at footballfoundation.org and uh, check out that Super 16 Paul, Phil, uh, thanks for your uh, insights, man, and uh, let's do it again.
13: Hey, a lot of fun as always, Rick. You have a great week, my friend.
3: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back, y'all.
1: well, I might as well tell you now.
16: You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find. Because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by bloomin' cheating!
7: Rick Tittle was selected at random from the phone book to host this show.
3: Thank you for that. And, uh, welcome back to the show. We still have another two hours to go. <clears throat> Emails, Rick at sports com. Email her from Chrissy. Rick is dare. Really your favorite album. Two question marks. It's my favorite human league album. <laughs> I, I just, when he was talking before with my first guest, uh, Chris green about the pebble and the boy, um, he said he was listening to Dare, and I said, oh, favorite album. He goes, oh, top five all time. That's not what I was I, – I just said my favorite human league album. Uh, Don't you want me, baby? Don't you want me – oh. You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. All right. Um, coming up, we still have a, uh, a few more hours to go. We have the uh, former Notre Dame safety John Mahoney. With a name like that, you have to go to Notre Dame. He wrote a book about um, football season last year, History Through the Headsets, we have Rosmus Ankerson coming up in about a half hour, less than a half hour. The Hockey Miracle on Apple TV. He also owns Brentford Football Club in the Premier League. And uh, Mick Yardley will be by as well to uh, clean up the yard uh, with AgainstTheNumber.com. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
5: radio news with lance pride
17: chinese president xi jinping and president biden will be meeting virtually monday night washington time it will be tuesday morning in china according to chinese state media their meeting is to tell the united states to quote step back end quote on the taiwan issue the united states has several issues including more openness to the origins of covid19 that poisoned the world The Austrian government has started a nationwide lockdown for unvaccinated people to combat rising coronavirus infections and deaths in that country. The move prohibits unvaccinated people 12 and older from leaving their homes except for basic activities. After conducting storm damage surveys on Sunday, the National Weather Service determined eight tornadoes touched down in the northeast Saturday spread across Long Island, Connecticut and Rhode Island. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News.
18: Hi, I'm Wayne Allyn for Patriot VPN. Patriot VPN is a virtual private network service that uses military-grade encryption to protect your internet connection on all of your devices. With Patriot VPN, your data and internet privacy is secure anywhere in the world. Why do you need Patriot VPN? Cyber criminals, government, even your own internet service provider collect and use your private information without your knowledge examples in the news recently remember all the companies that have been hacked cuba censored the internet to kill protests here in america conservative groups are being actively targeted your personal information and internet history is being sold by your isp it's all happening every day but not with patriot vpn with patriot vpn your internet activity and history is protected from prying eyes forever Patriot VPN is a veteran-owned business right here in the USA. For business or your family, starting at only $6.95 a month, use code WAR and get three months free with an annual subscription. It's all at PatriotVPN.com. That's PatriotVPN.com.
17: The White House on Sunday named former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu as a senior advisor responsible for coordinating the implementation of the recently passed bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. A scheduled signing ceremony is expected Monday.
6: President Biden and his advisors and cabinet members have continued to tout the big infrastructure bill that the president will be signing at a Monday afternoon ceremony at the White House. but. Republicans are pointing to the U.S. economy. Under Biden's leadership, Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Missouri on Fox News saying... The
7: American people vote with their wallet. And right now, the Democrats have control of Congress, the Senate, and the White House. And look at, in the short 10 months of which that has happened,
6: inflation is up. In the New England Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes.
17: The FBI has confirmed its email system has been hacked, with spam email being sent to more than 100,000 people. The systems have been taken offline. USA Radio News.
19: Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon,
15: United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
0: Pleasant dreams. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs>
18: The greatest radio shows of all time, USA Classic Radio Theater. On these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater.
17: The Kyle Rittenhouse trial will begin closing arguments Monday. His mother, Wendy, on Fox News over the weekend.
3: I'm hoping that the outcome is what I expect, a not guilty verdict.
0: And I hope they take that in TAKE THAT INTO WHAT um, THE OUTCOME IS GOING TO BE.
17: HARVARD LAW PROFESSOR Alan DERSHOWITZ ON NEWSMAX SATURDAY WEIGHED IN ON THE TRIAL.
8: ALL THE CIVIL LIBERTARIANS, ALL THE LIBERALS, ALL THE ACLU TYPES, THE NEW YORKER, THE NEW YORK TIMES, THEY ALL ATTACK THE JUDGE FOR SIMPLY APPLYING THE CONSTITUTION. THESE PHONY CIVIL LIBERTARIANS COULDN'T CARE LESS ABOUT DUE PROCESS, ABOUT FREE SPEECH, All they want is due process for me, but not for thee. They're taking sides, they're cheering, they're rooting. The New Yorker, that trashy magazine, it used to be a great magazine, but under the new leadership it's become a trashy partisan magazine, already dubbed this guy without any evidence the American vigilante. People are picking sides and they're picking on the judge because the judge has made some fair rulings under the Constitution. If the judge had made, with the same attitude, rulings in favor of the prosecution the civil libertarians the liberals the left the new york times would be praising him to the sky it's so biased we don't have justice out there we have partisan injustice
17: lance pry usa radio news i don't even recognize
20: myself anymore
21: i'm really worried about him his addiction i haven't seen him like this
20: I can do this.
21: Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment.
20: Call Quit Drugs
1: 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
6: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's
2: so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon. Fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Hey, welcome back to the program. What you got, what you get. 1-800-878-PLAY. That is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. Still need to take a look around the league. What happened to your NFL team this weekend? What happened? Well, there's still one game to go, and that's going to be tonight. The Rams at the Niners. Their first meeting of the season, both coming off disappointing losses. The L.A. defeat at the hands of Tennessee kind of looks like a bump in the road, but the Niners losing to a shorthanded Arizona team exposed a lot of problems that have left the Niners in last place in that division. And uh, after losing to the Niners all four times in the last two seasons, the Rams aren't exactly overlooking them uh, tonight. But uh, still, the Niners have just been dealing with too many losses, five out of six. And this was a season that the Niners had high expectations. And the Niners, by the way, they suck at Levi's Stadium. They've lost their first home games of the season for just the second time since 82. They're 1-8 at Levi's over the past two years. There's no home field advantage at that place. And plus now there's word they've had secret meetings with politicians in Santa Clara and Santa Clara trying to sue them for more money. Uh, All that won't matter when they kick off. But yeah, we do have one more game. And uh, the uh, the Niners, uh, if you want to bet, they're getting three and a half. I think I would just take the, the Rams outright uh, in that one. All 800 1-800-878-PLAY. We also have Rosmus Ankerson coming up in a little over 15 minutes. Very interesting entrepreneur from Denmark, or as they say in Spain, Dinamarca. Mexico, too. In fact, anywhere where they speak Spanish. I like that. Dinamarca. Dinamarca. Este partido entre Dinamarca y Alemania. Juego Inglaterra lunes gratis ahora. All right. What's he saying? I'm saying some stuff. Uh, around the world on AFN, big shout out to the troops listening on American Forces. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
9: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for
1: a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635. Here's an important COVID-19 school system update for your local area. That's 800-693-8290.
3: Hour two of titillating sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour two of Titillating Sports. Hey,
0: check out Channel 9.
3: Check out Rick Tittle. All right, uh, check me out. Uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of uh, San Francisco here and around the world, of course, on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show former Notre Dame safety John Mahoney. He has co authored a new book called History Through the Headsets, a sideline perspective on a championship run during the craziest season. In college football history, first of all, John, I was a D two free safety back in the '80s, so I already like you.
14: Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it.
3: Now you co offered this with Reed Ge- Reed Gregory, but let's be honest, you did all the heavy lifting, didn't you?
14: Oh, I wouldn't say that. I think it was, uh, it, was a, it was a team <laughs> effort. We uh, just like it, just like it was when we were playing. It was it was a team effort between the two of us.
3: So. All right, well, we know that, uh, I mean, it was just last year that uh, a couple of conferences, Power Five conferences, said no football, and then a couple of them said, no, we're going to play, and then we're going to play three or four games. And so we didn't know what the hell was going on, and it varied state by state. So how did it work for you as a Golden Domer when you guys were trying to figure out what was going on?
14: No, I mean, obviously it was a very uh, very interesting process because, you know, as as most college football fans know, um, you know Notre Dame's kind of known for their independence. Uh, but as the summer went on and you know the conferences started saying that you know if we do play we're going to play a conference only schedule and you know they continue to try to mitigate these things you know it became clear that that wasn't going to be you know possible so you know we knew we were joining the ACC um, and I really do think that you know us joining the ACC helped college football have a season because um, you know there was a stretch there where you know obviously the uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten had decided not to play they ultimately ended up reversing course but um, you know the ACC was kind of that deciding. You know, they were they were kind of that swing vote on you know whether or not the Power Five was going to play at all. And I, I I really do think that our willingness to join the ACC and kind of become part of that entity for the year um, helped push them help push them in the right direction for uh, you know, for having a season. So
3: yeah, we know about the independents, and uh, of course in the '90s having the the the. Uh the contract with with NBC, I mean, this is why they keep their independence. I remember going to a Notre Dame game at Stanford when uh, Weiss was the coach and Clawson was QB, and they brought these vans. They took over this empty gym on the Stanford campus, and they put in their own bookstore, and they had a line around the block of just selling Notre Dame hoodies and stuff. Uh, Could you you feel that when you were there? It was almost like you guys were almost like a pro team, the way that you guys could uh, make revenue like that.
14: Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, admittedly, I didn't really grow up a, a Notre Dame. I was, I was kind of a casual Notre Dame fan, but it was only when I kind of got on campus and got to see it firsthand that I really kind of understood the enormity of all of it. Um, you know, the example that I really point to was, you know, so my sophomore year, we played Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. So, you know, the biggest venue in, in, in baseball, probably one of the biggest venues in all of sports. And, you know, we just, we dominated New York City that weekend. It was, wherever you looked, it was Notre Dame. You know the, the Empire State Building was lit up blue and gold, and, and I think it speaks a lot to, you know how how compelling the brand is that you know a, a Catholic school from you know kind of the middle of nowhere Indiana can, you know take over the world's you know one of the world's largest you know media markets for a for a weekend just with a football game.
3: There's no doubt. So for you, I, I had a buddy that went to Notre Dame, and and he hates michigan more than any other team uh i know that the rivalry with usc maybe isn't what it quite was but for you who do you hate
14: you know obviously i mean there's uh you know one of the cool things about playing another Dame is that you have you know a number of great rivalries um you know i do think it's unfortunate that you know we we got to play Michigan a couple times while i was there but the fact that that's not an annual game i think is uh is too bad because that's uh there's certainly no love lost between those two schools i mean usc is always the one you mentioned but um you know we've had some good games with stanford um you know during my time on campus too and you know when you play for uh, when you play for six different traveling trophies you've got a um there are plenty of uh plenty of different uh plenty of different rivals that you have i don't know that i can i don't know that i can pick one i mean i can certainly look back at those uh those usc games and you know we never lost to the to the trojans in my time there so there was uh, there was certainly some hatred, but I guess it never uh, never really escalated to that level because it didn't have to. But
3: well, you know, it's also true that uh, uh, I, I find that that Notre Dame fans are very loyal. Like, you know, I, I know a guy that that started following the Raiders just because Tim Brown went there. I mean, they they kind of stick with their own, and also, Notre Dame fans, you guys will have four losses, and they'll still come up with a mathematical equation about why you should be in the national championship, right? (laughs) Absolutely, yep,
14: yep. And, you know, as things are starting to kind of shake out uh, this season, we're starting to hear, uh, you know, I've got got a couple buddies that have already kind of outlined the path that we need to take to to sneak (laughs) into that third or fourth spot, so. All
3: right, let's talk about the book. We're speaking with John Mahoney, co-author of History Through the Headsets. This was a whole different way of playing football, and uh, what was uh, but when did you start thinking, I'm going to put pen to paper and tell this story?
14: So we were actually given the idea by a coach after the, so we played North Carolina over Thanksgiving weekend last year. And so we came back and had a big, you know, team dinner and we just got to talking after dinner. And so, you know, Reed and I were the guys with the headsets on that you kind of had the inside scoop on everything. So we kind of knew it was going to happen before it happened. And, you know, got to talking and realized we had some interesting stories to tell. So he kind of suggested that, you know, if, uh, you know, if things kind of go the way they had been, that you know there may be some potential in writing a book and admittedly it was nothing that we'd ever thought about before but uh you know kind of chewed on it for a couple of days and once we uh you know i remember we were at practice later that week and we both kind of looked at each other and just said "Is something you want to do do you want to just go for this and so once we agreed that we at least wanted to kind of kick the tires on it we went to the we went to the campus bookstore and went to the notre dame sports section and you know opened up the, the front cover of every book um and contacted every publisher who'd ever published a book about Notre Dame sports. And, you know, most of them didn't get back to us, but some of them did. And we were uh, very lucky to, to find one that we really enjoyed working with. And,
3: you know, from there, the rest is kind of history. Now, of course, whenever you write something like this, you might, you know, because as you know, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. Was anybody like, hey, uh, John, don't mention the thing about the thing? I mean, did you get any of that?
14: Well, I mean, it was a, I would say it was a collaborative process, right? I mean, um, it wouldn't have been possible without, um, you know, significant help from people inside the program, and people inside the university. And so obviously when you're, you know, when you're working with those, with, you know, so many different stakeholders and so many different people, you're you're going to be conscious of those things. So there was no, there was never a point where someone said, this is, you know, you're forbidden from saying this, but at the same time, you know, in, in, in the interest of making, you know, kind of a coherent narrative, um, yeah, of course there are things that get left out, but that's, you know, that's just the nature of book writing, you know? We couldn't have you know, if we'd written a book about our entire experience it'd be two thousand pages long, you know. So part of the part of the editorial process is being selective and in, in kind of deciding, all right, this this was an important moment, this is what we want to include, but uh you know, maybe not this other thing.
3: For your time there personally, what was the greatest victory where you had suited up and then the most crushing defeat?
14: So obviously the I would say that the biggest victory we had was, was beating Clemson at home last year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so obviously it was our first season in a conference, um, you know, and I think it had been 27 years or something since, since Notre Dame had defeated number one, you know, at home. And it was just a year where, you know, and I, everyone experienced it in different ways, but, you know, being a college student, I mean, your entire life was interrupted with, by, the, by the COVID thing. And you spent, you know, an extended period of time at home. You come back and, you know, college isn't the way you remembered it. And so to be able to, to win that game and kind of just allow people to forget about all that was going on just, just, for, just for a night, I think, was a really rewarding feeling. As far as crushing defeats, um, there were certainly a few. Uh, I would say that uh, again, it was probably Clemson my my sophomore year when we played them in uh, when we played them in Dallas in the playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, and it ultimately ended up being you know pretty pretty outstanding team. You know, based on their performance the following week, but um, you know we went into that game you know very confident, and you know obviously to, to lose the way we did was was very disappointing. But you know to, to get them back. To get them back two years later, certainly they, you know, added a little extra, add a little extra sum to the, to the to the home game we had this just past year. So
3: last question, we just got about thirty seconds. Best piece of bowl swag, like a PS five, a mountain bike. What'd you get?
14: Uh, I got a TV at the Rose Bowl last year. And now that I and now that I uh, now that I live on my own, it's actually uh, it's coming quite in, So I. Uh, <laughs> When the, when, the, uh, when, the, uh, when the gravy train kind of stops, it was nice to have some stuff that I could uh, use to move into an apartment. So,
3: Well, it's a new kind of gravy train. He's uh, author now. John Mahoney is our guest. And with Reed Gregory, they have written history through the headsets, a sideline perspective on a championship run during the craziest season in college football history. John, congratulations on the book, and thanks for stopping by. I uh, appreciate you having me. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Rasmus Ankersen.
1: 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968, that's 800-817-2968. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. Again, that's
4: 800-449-1759.
7: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you in San Francisco, nationally syndicated and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome back to the show Rosmus Onkerson. And he's here to talk about his film, The Hockey Miracle in the Middle of Nowhere. We talked to him uh, several months ago, but now we're going to talk about it again because it is on Apple TV and other platforms, including Google Play. Uh, as well, Rosmus, welcome back to the show. First of all, how hard is it when uh, you know your Brentford bees you you lose at Carroll Road to Norwich, and then you get the international break? So it kind of it kind of stews. And for you as a motivational guy, how do you make sure that your your players? And I know it's not your job as you know as the director of football, but still, how do you make sure the players don't get into kind of a funk?
19: Well, yeah, you're right that um, I mean it always feels. Um, you know, it never feels nice to to lose the last game before an international break because people then go away on international duties and you kind of leave on a on a on a bad tone. Uh, so uh, there is a little bit of a job this week uh, uh, when players are coming back, lifting lifting everyone, and getting ready for the for the next big game on on Saturday. But I mean, um, you know, we try we try and look a lot at the underlying performances and take some energy from that because they've been actually pretty good you know we, we haven't really got what we deserved I think in terms of points but um so so we remain uh, remain optimistic and I, I feel that around the place
3: we also have a game today uh Denmark versus Scotland I say we as Danish American my uh, grandfather is from Roche Gilda I have uh, a family yeah. <laughs> still in uh in uh Orhus uh, uh, and Copenhagen as well. So uh, you know, after the whole Christian Eriksen thing, and I'm a Tottenham fan, so that was you know doubly poignant yeah. for me. But uh, knock on wood, uh, Denmark looking pretty good.
19: Yeah, very good. I think we've been you know one 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 every game since um, mm-hmm. in this qualification. So so this last game against Scotland is uh, see we've already qualified for the World Cup, but uh, but you know winning winning this game would be a real statement as well. So I think the the boys are up for that.
3: And if it wasn't for Raheem Sterling diving, maybe European champions this summer.
19: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I I I don't live in uh, Denmark. I live in London. I've been <laughs> here for twelve years. So, uh, but uh, I went back to Denmark on, on holiday this summer, and people were so. I mean, uh, they were so bitter about this. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. Uh, this penalty that really that 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 really stuck with them. So, um, you know, whether 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 it was a penalty or not, I think we we probably shouldn't discuss that here but uh, uh it was really close call them are uh, getting into the final at that point of that would have been amazing achievement.
3: human yes and it wasn't a penalty but <laughs> let's move on let's uh, let's talk yeah. about this film because uh you're from uh, herning which is a a very a small town in in denmark and yet this uh, this town has produced 5 nhl players in just 9 years which you couldn't do in some of the biggest cities in the world. So uh, what was the the, the the genesis behind this whole project?
19: Yeah, so really, you know, I published a book called The Goldmine Effect in uh, back 10 years ago, um, uh, at the, uh, just before the Olympics in London. And that book was about why small places, some small places in the world, produce a disproportionate amount of, of top athletes. So I went to Ethiopia to visit a village that produced the best middle-distance runners, I went to uh, an athletic club in Kingston, Jamaica, because they produced the best sprinters. So I, I traveled around the world for six months to uncover that. And then, like a few years ago, I was I was back in my hometown, Herning, in western Denmark, which is a town of 50,000 people. And I and I my, one of my friends started talking about this ice hockey thing, and I remember growing up there, hockey was a was a big thing indeed. But I I never really thought about it. To the extent of this, it was really like a miracle. So I digged into this story because my my friend started talking about like a, a backyard in 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 the middle of the city in back in the seventies where a lot of a lot of good ice hockey players came from, and they got kids and they became really good, and eventually it ended up with this little town uh, producing five NHL players over the course of, of of nine years. And to put this into to perspective, I mean there there are more ice hockey referees in Toronto that there are ice hockey players in the whole of Denmark. (laughs) And then there is this small town that produce, Mm -hmm. you know, on a per capita basis, the most NSL players in the world. So it's really logical. So I spent a couple of years producing this movie about uh, this miracle. And, you know, obviously I had good access to all the people there because I grew up and I I knew them. So, um, yeah, so, um, you know, I was really excited about that.
3: Yeah, I had a relative, in Odense tell me one time at a family reunion, he said, we have more pigs than people in Denmark. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the ham is so good. A couple more questions for Rosmus Onkerson You yourself um, uh, were a, a, a soccer player for uh, Midtjylland, right? And and then that's how you got connected with that club.
19: Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Well, I mean, I I I, um, I grew up in Herning, and and was really the merger of two 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 local clubs that hated each other. <laughs> They were called Herning and Ecast. Mm. and then '99 they merged. And I actually played there in in '99, so uh, I played in the, in the in the youth teams at the time. So I, I experienced the emotions and, and all that that came through with that kind of merger. People people on both sides were not particularly happy, but eventually the the club went on to do well. and 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 today I'm the chairman of the club, and I in the last like seven years we won three championships, we got into Champions League the biggest competition in the world last year. So it's been an amazing journey. So that's where I'm from. So I'm 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 you know obviously mostly involved in football today, but I still got this connection back to uh, my uh, my boyhood club which is which is land
3: By the way, you know when Norwich beat you guys, Daniel Farka got f- sacked. So it was uh, kind of (laughs) it was it was bizarre. Uh, But for you, as you move forward and for a club like Brentford, I mean, let's face it, surviving in the Premier League is is the goal. We're not looking at a top four just yet. But how hard is it to survive when you have these these teams like, you know, man. And and look at Newcastle. You're playing them on Saturday and they're going to have more money. They're going to might be the next Man City. So how hard is that to to compete?
19: It is tough. I mean, uh, it's um, we we always had this mantra about not outspending, but trying to outthink, um, and and trying to do you know, do have smarter process and good recruitment, find out the value talent in the market, uh, all all those sort of things. Um, small small marginal gains uh, that then adds up. Um, but but it is tough. It's the toughest league in the world. this it's the league with the most money. A lot of these clubs, like you mentioned, uh, have a huge amount of capital behind them, so uh, it, it's getting increasingly uh, tougher to, to to compete. But I mean, so far so good. I mean, I think we've, we've 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 been performing well, and and I'm pretty pretty optimistic about our chances about staying in the league.
3: Well, I think about how close you guys got in the year before, and then you finally got in. And Thomas Frank, you was it you that got him from Brombu? Is that the connection there?
19: Yeah, I mean, I, I know Tom, Thomas for the best part of 20 years, um, you know, we worked together uh, around the under 17 national team in Denmark and I brought him in to Brentford as an assistant coach. Um, and eventually when then we lost our head coach, he was, he was handed by Aston Villa. Then we promoted Thomas um, to become the head coach and he's done a really good job and uh, understands the club's strategy, the philosophy, the ways of working. So um, yeah, he's, 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 um, he's a great guy too.
3: Well, that's the thing about him—the philosophy. He is a. I mean, he studied sports psychology, which is you know something that's important, especially these days, right?
19: Yeah, the you know the psychological part is a big part of it. So, um, I mean, and and I think still an underdeveloped part of elite football. So, you know, we we have a lot of knowledge about how we train and build physical muscle, but we we don't have so much knowledge yet and and methods for for how we build. Psychological muscles, um, if you will. So uh, that's that's um, that's a big um, opportunity in the future uh, to uh, to dig into that. I don't think anyone has cracked that yet, but that's something I, I know for sure we will we will be looking at.
3: And last question: After this movie, now do people are kids moving to Herning thinking that's their their ticket to the NHL? <laughs>
19: <laughs> no, I mean one of the points in the in the movie is that small towns that tend to be better than big cities at producing top athletes. So, um, so yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to live in a small town to be to be a, to be a top athlete. But but there are some um, some some conditions that seem to uh, t- take place more often in, in in small towns, like the restriction of choice. You know, to have you have to, you have as many distractions. You know, there's a proximity of role models in a small town. Hmm. There's there's a more more. Um, a uh, less less selection early on. It's things like that 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 naturally happens in a small town that, that we kind of know are, are good if you want to develop top athletes. So I don't think you have to move to a small town to be a top athlete or earning for that sake, but you can learn a lot from looking at these uh, small towns like earning when you if, if you want to build an environment that's that's good for developing skill in general and 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 eventually elite level athletes.
3: Great stuff. The movie, The Hockey Miracle in the Middle of Nowhere, available on Apple TV and Google Play. We've been speaking with Rasmus Ankersen. Good luck against Newcastle and uh, Tools and Talk.
19: Thank you very much. Good to
3: speak again. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID. One thing is certain whether you're vaccinated or not. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, the leading sign of flu and COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers that have no scientific studies. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Learn more at exergen.com.
0: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
1: please 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 that's 800-756-3744
18: when others treat your fries as an afterthought all you're left with are cold soggy fries
4: you know, exactly. over time, you know, the more and more you do Practice something, the better you perfect. get at it. Just right. like, you know, Anything. you didn't become this excellent at radio overnight. Thank you know, man. you know exactly when to say we got one minute left. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: You know? Because I'm so good looking. Yeah.
18: Right?
1: <laughs> Practice makes <looks>
18: perfect. <laughs>
7: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Wow, that is something else. Uh, thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. We're going to get to some uh, NFL scores here. But I want to remind everybody that the Rolling Stones unzipped. It's an amazing book. It's an intimate and comprehensive visual history tracing the incredible musical career and creative life of the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones Unzipped is available now wherever books are sold. There are chapters devoted to the writing of the band's hit songs, the rocker's f- crazy clothes, all their musical instruments, <clears throat> close-up photos of Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood's guitars, the late, great Charlie Watts' drums, And then Mick Jagger and Keith Richards remember how they met and joined the band. They reminisce about writing Satisfaction and Sympathy for the Devil. Photos show Keith Richards' diaries, Mick Jagger's lyric books, and designs for the band's iconic album covers, custom uh, uh, concert posters from around the world as well. And uh, other chapters reveal the backstage secrets of creating those live shows and designing the famous logo, the bl that's what I call the bl and the making of their concert films as well. It's all there in the Rolling Stones, unzipped, available now, wherever books are sold. And uh, we'll give away a copy as well. What do you think of that? How do I win it? Email me, rick at sportsbyline.com. Last night in the video game review, gave away a Call of Duty Vanguard to, which was a PS4, a PS5, uh, same code, and uh, that went very quickly. When it's something good, it goes quickly. When I say I have here an old manhole lid cover, the phones don't usually ring off the hook. All right. Uh, it was an interesting week in the NFL, and uh, I didn't do very well, honestly. I did not pick the Lions and Steelers tie. <laughs> and you just think about the Lions now know that they can't go 0-17, and for the, the grit that they showed in just getting that to be a tie at Heinz Field was pretty amazing. I mean, when you started the fourth quarter, the Lions were winning 16-3, to and Ben Roethlisberger did not play. It was Mason Rudolph, a pick that they got in the Martavis Bryant trade with the Raiders. The kid out of Oklahoma State. One touchdown, one interception. Jared Goff, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 114 yards. But it is the former Georgia running back Swift on the ground, 130 yards. Looking great. Najee Harris, former Antioch High. And Alabama back, the Rook, 105 yards on the ground. And Detroit's losing streak is over, but the winless season (laughs) still remains. And Dan Campbell, who wants to bite your kneecaps off, said, I don't know how to feel about that necessarily. It's like I told the guys, I was upset we didn't win, but I'm also proud of them because of the fact we put ourselves in position to win the game in overtime. Yeah, well, they didn't. And when... You think about people saying Roethlisberger has passed his time. This is what you get when Roethlisberger doesn't play, okay? Because if you can't beat the Lions at home when Roethlisberger's not out there, then what are you going to do? By the way, it looked like the Steelers were going to win in overtime. Jared Goff was intercepted, but it was called back, and then it was a 48-yard attempt for the Lions kicker and he kicked a ball that went about five yards off the ground and under the goalpost. It was one of the weakest-looking things I've ever seen. And then the Steelers were on their own 40 with 16 seconds left, and their tight end catches one and then fumbles it. No team deserved to win this game. No team deserved to win. And then the Lions uh, I'll give them credit they did a little uh, hook and lateral they tried a little Cal Stanford thing but then the guy runs out of bounds. It was it was pretty pathetic, there's no doubt. And I remember when uh I was in high school as a freshman we tied and we got on the bus and my coach said a tie is like kissing your sister. I had never heard that before. And I was like ew. I go, what do you mean? You get to kiss a girl, but it's your sister, so it doesn't count? And it's like, oh, that's gross. I wonder if you said that now if you would get canceled. How dare you talk about such a thing? Uh, there were a couple games where uh, we had favorites, the Cowboys over the Falcons, as more emphatic than I thought. It was, what was it, 36 to 3 at the half? And Atlanta was starting to look okay, you know, they were at 4 and 4 but then uh yeah, it was done. The Cowboys win 43 to 3. Nothing to see her move on. Kind of like the Bills at the Jets, 45 to 17. And the Jets now have given up 45 points in 3 straight games. It's just there's just some bad streaks going on. And the Jets got two touchdowns when the Bills completely had one foot on the plane, took their foot off the gas uh, by putting that foot on the plane, and then uh, basically just playing prevent because it was 45 to three. But this guy, Mike White, it's like, oh, who needs uh, Justin Wilson? Mike White shows why we never heard of him because he threw four interceptions in this game. And actually, they put in Flacco late, and he threw a touchdown pass. So the Bills were super mad that they were only 5-3. and three. They think they're better than that, and they are, and now they're 6-3. and three. The Patriots and the Brownies, this one uh, was surprising because I thought the Browns would give up a much bigger fight than they did. And it was really... The the Patriots firing on all cylinders. The defense was outstanding, only allowing 217 yards. And then Mac Jones sh- showing people like me who aren't high on him that three touchdowns, three touchdown passes and zero picks. But how about on the ground? You look at the, the report, you see R. Stevenson, Robert Louis Stevenson, 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Got a little tricky, too. Uh, Kendrick Bourne had three carries for 43 yards, a little end-around action. But uh, the Patriots are showing that this isn't just some sort of rebuilding year. They're 6-4, and, and the Browns at 5-5. Five and five, But, you know, it's funny. A Hugh Jackson would have killed for 5-5. Five and five. They're looking at the mirror saying, 5-5, five and five, ouch. That's not what they were thinking about. The Colts beat the Jags. This was my upset special, remember? This is what I said, and I guess I jinxed them. But I don't get any... Credit for being within six points. there, <laughs> As uh, Daniel, the Jags fan, says, they did cover. And you're a Jags fan because you got a pencil out of a gumball machine or something? Right. Whatever works. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and she says, oh, I'm such a big West Ham fan. I have West Ham posters and clothes and signs. How long have you been a fan? A year? I went, oh, how'd you become a fan? I saw Green Street hooligans. I was like, really? Well, whatever it takes. My old friend Mike McLaughlin, who started more games at Stanford than anybody else, former center, he was a Bears fan because he used to go to his grandmother's house and she had these little toy Bears and he would play with them and then he found out, wait, there's a team called the Bears too? That's my favorite team. Whatever works. But a blocked punt ruined it for the Jags. And um. Jonathan Taylor's gashing runs uh, as well, 116 yards on the ground. How about this, though? Trevor Lawrence, no touchdown passes, no interceptions. Carson Wentz, no touchdown passes, no interceptions, both under 200 yards. Was this an NFL game? This sounds like a game I played in, in Division Two <laughs> in the 80s. So were it not <clears throat> for the block punt, maybe we'd be talking a little bit more about the Jags. but. Um, the Colts are five and five, and they still have something to play for. Seems like everybody's over five hundred. The Titans faced the Saints, and I thought this would be even without Derek Henry. I thought this would be a little bit easier for the uh, Titans, but the the Saints. You got to give Trevor Simeon some credit through for nearly three hundred yards and two touchdowns. Tannehill um, handed off more times to Foreman than he did uh, Peterson, <clears throat> but. Tannehill said that when he woke up, he thought he had the flu, and um Mike Vrabel said they do know how to win, and I'm thankful for that. Well, remember the Saints were five and two, and you know, Jameis Winston had the ACL injury and now they've lost a couple in a row, which doesn't help. But I'll say this: Mark Ingram became the Saints' all-time leading rusher. Um, six thousand ninety-six yards. That's all it took to be the Saints. <laughs> Leading rusher. Uh, this is another one I got wrong. You probably did too. Washington football team <clears throat> over the Bucks, 29-19. to 19. And uh, Tom Brady, not in the best moods uh, at the press conference, was on the mic for less than a minute. And uh, an exasperated Tom Brady put his hands on his knees and uh, looked down the field after his second interception in the first quarter. He was picked off twice in his first six passes. And then the Bucks surrendered a clock-killing 19-play drive that sealed the upset in the end. But if you think about the Bucks, they lost. They went into the bye week. They came out, and then they lost. They were 6-1 and before that, and now they're 6-3. and So um, Tom Brady said, not a great day of football for us. We never really... Played it on our terms. We play from behind the whole game, and they played a good game. Yeah, well, Taylor Heineke, Heineke, he owes me money. One touchdown pass, 256 yards. Gibson on the ground, 64. Terry McLaurin, 59. Carter, 56. Spreading it around just a little bit. Fournette, 47 yards on the ground. Evans with 62 through the air. Godwin with 57. But... um They got a little extra blow, too, in the last minute of the game when Vita Vea, their nose tackle, went off with an injury uh, in that uh, drive. And uh, Vea said he felt something pop in his knees, so we'll see what that is. But uh, Washington, on the other hand, they lost Chase Young, the defensive player of the uh, year, or I should say defensive rookie of the year last year, when he hurt his right knee. And apparently he was on crutches at halftime and they gave, he gave some sort of motivational speech and Ron Rivera was asked about him. He said, potentially an ACL, but we're not sure yet. Ouch. So uh, you got to give it up to, I mean, Ron Rivera is a defensive coach and uh, the the defense was doing very well. And as I said, Taylor Heineke came in, a touchdown pass to DeAndre Carter. That was a 71 yard drive and the, third quarter. And Arian said, the stupidity has to go away. If we're going to go anywhere, we're a very dumb football team. And that's a reflection on the coaches. Sounds like, uh, what's his face? <clears throat> Bill Callahan were the stupidest team in America. And then a moment of silence for Sam Huff, who uh, died on Saturday. Um, of course, uh, he was, uh, Great player with the Giants, and then he went to the the Redskins. When I was a kid, we used to say um, we used to we were told that Sam Huff was the first tough guy in the NFL. It's so like you talk about tough guys, Ray Nitschke, you know, guys like that. Sam Huff, so eighty seven years old, worked with Sonny Jurgensen a long time. I remember one time I called Sonny Jurgensen and asked, asked him to come on the show. And he's like, sure. And then his wife, his wife went like, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, wait, never mind. I have an exclusive with another station. <laughs> but at first he was like, sure. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: 3% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
3: That hurts my feelings. Uh, by the way, a pretty good ad, and I mean AD, not, uh, um, well, ADD. I mean, not AD, if I could talk right. Me, talk right. Me, professional talker here. Uh, we've added Eric Dickerson in 40 minutes. So at 1140... Uh, the legendary Eric Dick, And I got to ask him something. What does he think about Belarus? Now I'm going to ask him, has there been a better number 29 in the history of sports? Can anybody think of a, a, a 29 who was legendary like him? I can't think of anybody na- number 29 at all, <laughs> much less who was really uh, fantastic at his job. He also, no one more uh, ran more upright and they always tell you not to run upright, but he had those knees churning and you got in the way. He also wore goggles when he didn't need them. He wanted to protect his eyes and uh, a lot of people think of him as a Ram. I prefer to think of him as a, so we'll talk to him as well. Also against the number coming up on the other side, we'll get a little prognostication up in here. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on byline.
5: USA Radio News with Lance Pry.
17: Chinese President Xi Jinping and President Biden will be meeting virtually Monday night, Washington time. It will be Tuesday morning in China. According to Chinese state media, their meeting is to tell the United States to, quote, step back, end quote, on the Taiwan issue. The United States has several issues, including more openness to the origins of COVID-19 that poisoned the world. The Austrian government has started a nationwide lockdown for unvaccinated people to combat rising coronavirus infections and deaths in that country. The move prohibits unvaccinated people 12 and older from leaving their homes except for basic activities. After conducting storm damage surveys on Sunday, the National Weather Service determined eight tornadoes touched down in the northeast Saturday spread across Long Island, Connecticut and Rhode Island. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News.
18: Hi, I'm Wayne Allyn for Patriot VPN. Patriot VPN is a virtual private network service that uses military-grade encryption to protect your internet connection on all of your devices. With Patriot VPN, your data and internet privacy is secure anywhere in the world. Why do you need Patriot VPN? Cyber criminals, government, even your own internet service provider collect and use your private information without your knowledge examples in the news recently remember all the companies that have been hacked cuba censored the internet to kill protests here in america conservative groups are being actively targeted your personal information and internet history is being sold by your isp it's all happening every day but not with patriot vpn with patriot vpn your internet activity and history is protected from prying eyes forever Patriot VPN is a veteran-owned business right here in the USA. For business or your family, starting at only $6.95 a month, use code WAR and get three months free with an annual subscription. It's all at PatriotVPN.com. That's PatriotVPN.com.
17: The White House on Sunday named former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu as a senior advisor responsible for coordinating the implementation of the recently passed bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. A scheduled signing ceremony is expected Monday.
6: President Biden and his advisors and cabinet members have continued to tout the big infrastructure bill that the president will be signing at a Monday afternoon ceremony at the White House. but. Republicans are pointing to the U.S. economy. Under Biden's leadership, Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Missouri on Fox News saying... The
7: American people vote with their wallet. And right now, the Democrats have control of Congress, the Senate, and the White House. And look at, in the short 10 months of which that has happened,
6: inflation is up. In the New England Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes.
17: The FBI has confirmed its email system has been hacked, with spam email being sent to more than 100,000 people. The systems have been taken offline. USA Radio News.
15: Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
0: Pleasant dreams. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs>
18: The greatest radio shows of all time, USA Classic Radio Theater. On these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater.
17: The Kyle Rittenhouse trial will begin closing arguments Monday. His mother, Wendy, on Fox News over the weekend.
3: I'm hoping that the outcome is what I expect, a not guilty verdict.
0: And I hope they take that in TAKE THAT INTO WHAT um, THE OUTCOME IS GOING TO BE.
17: HARVARD LAW PROFESSOR Alan DERSHOWITZ ON NEWSMAX SATURDAY WEIGHED IN ON THE TRIAL.
8: ALL THE CIVIL LIBERTARIANS, ALL THE LIBERALS, ALL THE ACLU TYPES, THE NEW YORKER, THE NEW YORK TIMES, THEY ALL ATTACK THE JUDGE FOR SIMPLY APPLYING THE CONSTITUTION. THESE PHONY CIVIL LIBERTARIANS COULDN'T CARE LESS ABOUT DUE PROCESS, ABOUT FREE SPEECH, All they want is due process for me, but not for thee. They're taking sides, they're cheering, they're rooting. The New Yorker, that trashy magazine, it used to be a great magazine, but under the new leadership it's become a trashy partisan magazine, already dubbed this guy without any evidence the American vigilante. People are picking sides and they're picking on the judge because the judge has made some fair rulings under the Constitution. If the judge had made, with the same attitude, rulings in favor of the prosecution the civil libertarians the liberals the left the new york times would be praising him to the sky it's so biased we don't have justice out there we have partisan injustice
17: lance pry usa radio news
20: i don't even recognize myself anymore
21: i'm really worried about him his addiction i haven't seen him like this
20: I can do this.
21: Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment.
20: Call Quit Drugs
1: 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
6: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so
2: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you so much. Hour three underway. It's hour, hour. Feel free to chime in 1 800 878 play. Coming up after the break, we're going to check in as we do at 11 12 Monday through Friday with a prognosticator from against the number.com. be Mick Yardley, Eric Dickerson, coming up at eleven forty, And I threw out, Has there ever been another famous 29? And they're mostly baseball players. And, um,. Was told Rod Carew, John Smoltz. At one point, Catfish Hunter wore it. i want to say with the Yanks. But anyway, when it comes to football players, Eric Dickerson uh, literally hit the ground running. <laughs> and first running back to have seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. I mean, the guy was just a machine. And uh, then coming over to the race as well. Hall of Famer as well. Been in the Hall of Fame over 20 years. Guess we're getting up there, huh? Just a little bit. Some more games to go over as well from the National Football League as we take a look at the uh, NFL scores uh, as well. But we do have another hour together. And uh, as always, you can uh, watch us on twitch.tv. Watch us. It's me talking into a mic, but I'm so fine. Uh, Look, just search for Sports Byline. Also on your phone, TuneIn Radio is a great app. iHeartRadio is great. Stitcher is great. Once again, the keyword is great. Alexander the Great, who fought during the Great War. Rick, I think those were a few centuries apart. Yeah, I guess so. Millennia apart. And... Uh, CRN digital plus two, the cable radio network channel two, your cable provider. Yeah, it's there on TV. I know someone who does listen to me on TV. They're actually watching HBO, but they think it's me. So it kind of counts. Also, um, Letting sports with Rick Tittle is the Facebook fan page. Post a blurb, respond to mine. And if you want to tweet at me, you're in junior high. It's at Rick Tittle on Twitter. Come on back, y'all.
16: beating the books at their own game visit against the number.com that's against the number.com
1: here's an important covid19 school system update for your local area if you're concerned about your child's education please pay close attention to this message the current school systems were not set up for at-home learning if you're worried that your child may not be getting the grades they need to get ahead, may be losing self-confidence, or you're worried about them getting into a good college because of their grades, help is available to you. Call Grade Potential Tutoring. They can help with in-home or online tutoring and help your child with any subject and every grade level, even for test prep. They're experts in the home tutoring and online tutoring field, and confident they can help you and your child get better grades today. Call now for your free consultation. 800 693 8290. 800 693 8290. 800 693 8290. That's 800 693 8290. Titillating Sports with
12: Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever.
3: He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is he so handsome. He's a genius. Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. We get Mick Yardley. We'll throw him on the air. Uh, there were uh, three more games in the NFL that I got wrong, wrong, wrong. The Cardinals, now it was Colt McCoy, but still the Cardinals and the Panthers, the Panthers win that one 34-10 in Arizona. And uh, Superman is back. And Cam Newton became the first player in NFL history to score a touchdown on his first run and score a touchdown on his first pass. Pretty, pretty amazing when you think about it. And uh, yeah, he is back and uh, uh, Walker, whoever that was can move over. This is why cam has, if everything goes right, it's going to get $6 million. So without Kyler Murray, should we have really been super surprised? I don't know. But Cam Newton and he crazy hair is back. 34-10 Panthers at 5-5, five and five, Cardinals 8-2. and two. The Chargers lost to the Vikings in LA. Now, the Chargers are at 5-4, and four and we were basically ready to hand them the AFC three weeks ago. But no, the Vikings, who had such a tough uh, showing against uh, Baltimore, losing an OT, they had a lot of fight in them and uh, we're able to pull that out 27 to 20. All right, want to remind everyone that againstthenumber.com is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only beating these sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. All right, joining us from uh, ATN, or against the number.com, is uh, Mick Yardley. Mick, welcome to the show, and I hear you want to talk about some of these postseason awards in MLB, and we're going to start off tonight, or I should say really 3 o'clock, our time out here, with the rookies of the year. Let's start in the junior circuit. Randy Rosarena, of course, who is still a rook. Wander Franco, who might be the next great player in baseball. And then the pitcher for Houston, Luis Garcia. For the Jackie Robinson rookie of the year in the AL, who do you like? Ah, uh, teammates right there. Uh, you know, wa- Wander and Rosarena. I don't know. I like Wander in
22: that. I do. I, I, I wander is. He's really good, man. A Rosarena, he I mean, teammates, man. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to
3: go with Wander. Yeah, I will, too. A lot of times teammates, as we know, they kind of steal votes from each other. But, uh, yeah, Franco looks like the uh, the next Juan Soto, speaking of youngsters. Uh, in the National League, Dylan Carlson of St. Louis, Jonathan India with Cincinnati, and Trevor Rogers with Miami. This one's interesting. Who do you like?
22: Uh... I don't know. I'm going to go with Rogers. I like the pitcher there, man. I, uh, I I'm a pitcher guy, so um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Rogers or the Marlins.
3: Uh, at one point, it looked like India had it, and then Carlson. You, you, when you play for St. Louis, you get a lot of love too. So we'll see. Sure. I, I think I think it might be Carlson. Let's go to then what's going to happen tomorrow we get the manager of the year awards in the American League dusty baker kevin cash and i don't even know why Scott's service is on this list when seattle didn't go to the playoffs but anyway who do you like
22: i mean it's got to be dusty it's got to be dusty but i will say i'll will give the the mariners manager some love like what what the mariners have been able to do this year is amazing and and i will say i have a cousin whose little brother is on the Seattle Mariners. Uh, his, name, his name is uh, Macevich, Anthony Masevich. He's a relief pitcher. Uh, he's my cousin's little brother. And, and I will say, like last year, this guy said that the Mariners are going to make some noise this year. And they did. They did. When no one thought they would. They, I mean, they were one game from the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Cash just because I kind of feel the Houston Astros were built to win, and Cash lost Snell and still in that division won it easily. We'll see what happens. In the senior circuit, it is no contest. Gabe Kapler better get every vote for a team, the Giants team, yeah. that wasn't even supposed to go to the playoffs, had their best seasons ever with 107 wins, and no offense to Craig Council or Mike Schilt, but Gabe Kapler is the best manager regardless of league.
22: Yeah, it's got, it's got to be Kapler. The 107 wins, I, I agree. I'm with you.
3: Let's go to uh, Wednesday night, and that will be the Cy Young Awards. And this one gets a little bit more interesting. Let's start off in the junior circuit. Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, and Robbie Ray. Who are you going with? I like Robbie
22: Ray. Got to be Robbie Ray. I
3: say Robbie Ray had an incredible year for the
22: Blue Jays. I got, I got to say, he like right. he if it were up to me, he would get to
3: sayum. I happen to agree with you there. In the National League, uh, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, of course, most of that's with Washington. You got there thrown the Dodgers too, and then Zach Wheeler of the Phils. I'll just give you mine first because he went to my small college, St. Mary's College. I'm going to go with uh, Corbin Burns. What are your thoughts?
22: I like Corbin. Cor- Corbin should win it. Uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm gonna give it to Corbin. He, he Corbin's really friggin' good, and he should win it.
3: In the American League, the MVP Thursday night. This will be the last of the awards and uh, teammates again. Vlad Guerrero with uh, all the home runs. You got Marcus Simeon who had his you could argue, the best season in the history of a second baseman. He hit 45 home runs, the record, and he got a gold glove. But Showy Ohtani is going to be the guy. What do you think?
22: Yeah, yeah, Ohtani's going to win. And he, and he should win. He's, you know, a pitcher and and a hitter. I mean, this guy, this guy did so much for baseball this year. It's got to be
3: Ohtani. And then in the National League, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis, and it looked for a while like it would be Tatis, but the Padres really went down the toilet late. Uh, uh, I just uh, this one, this one's hard. What do you think?
22: That, that is true. Uh, for a while there, it looked like it was going to be Tatis, but you, you're not wrong. Like towards the second half of the season and the last third of the season, like like what happened to the Padres? Like the, the, the team looked so good. Going to the final stretch of the year, but they just really – to me, it's Soto. It, it's got to be Soto, even though the Nationals are terrible. I mean, but Juan Soto, this, this guy, I mean, he's hitting over 330. He I mean,
3: he, he, it's got to be Soto to me. Uh, Soto, to me, is the best player in baseball. He's been raking since he was 19 in the big leagues. Uh, Bryce Harper's going to get some love because, you know, the Phillies get more attention. But but I'm with you. Just one more question before you go. How do you think Bob Melvin's sure. going to do at uh, Petco? You think it's going to make a difference?
22: Uh, hopefully, he can turn the team around. Like the, the Padres, I, I got. I'm actually like a Padres fan now. You know, for the last few years, I like watching Padres games. I hope he turns it around. Uh, but yeah, the, the you know what happened the, the last third of the year. I mean, I don't know. Like, you want to talk about a meltdown. Like, that team frigging meltdown really hard. And I like Bob Melvin, though. He's a good manager. Um, Just leaving the A's, going to the Padres now. Uh, Hopefully they can get it done because they have a lot of talent on that roster.
3: There's no doubt. Very aggressive GM and Preller as well. That's Mick Yardley. Check out againstthenumber.com. Mick, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks, Rick, for having me. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline.
10: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching?
0: Who's watching me?
9: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call
1: 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's
5: 800-732-9635. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
1: I'm just a caveman. Your world frightens and confuses me.
7: (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY.
20: I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why don't you go to hell? No, you go to hell. Why are you there? Why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not.
3: All right, all right, all right, all right. Coming up in the next segment, Eric Dickerson, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest running backs of all time. This segment... Not the greatest running back of all time. It's just me, but you can call up one eight hundred eight seven eight. Play a couple more games to get to the uh, the donkeys at home versus the Eagles. Another one I got wrong. Denver just showing that they're really very mediocre. And the <laughs> the the fact Teddy Bridge. It was a great play where <clears throat> uh, Darius Slay picked up a loose ball and meandered around the field and went all the way like sixty yards for a touchdown. And um, Teddy Bridgewater just kind of stood there and went, yeah, okay, and let him run right by for a touchdown. He made a business decision. He's like, yeah, I don't want to get involved. Jalen Hurts threw a couple touchdown passes. Um, he also had a long 31-yard run, 53 overall. But, you know, Denver at 5-5, five and five, just showing the mediocrity and the Eagles now at 4-6. and six. The Eagle has landed. The Packers beat the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers was back. He said he got teary-eyed. That's what he said. Uh, one interception, no touchdowns, but 292 yards. Russell Wilson, two picks, no TDs, shutout for the first time in his career. Seventeen to nothing. This game was three to nothing. Pack going into the fourth quarter. I know snoozer alert, but a couple of touchdown runs by Dylan. And uh, that was the difference. But uh, Seattle now, I mean, geez. You think about before the season, Russell Wilson, he could be an MVP candidate, and the Niners were feeling great. Three and six are the Seahawks, and the Pack just taking a huge uh, hold, a two-handed hold on the uh, the NFC at uh, eight and two. All eight hundred eight seven eight play. Uh, The University of Washington has uh, fired uh, their coach, uh, Jimmy Lake. Remember he had a thing where he laid a hand on one of his, you know, when I watched it, you you read it on paper and it's like, oh, he assaulted one of his own players. His player was talking crap, goading, you know, trying to get a flag, stand on the sideline, acting tough. He went over and he had the little play sheet in his hand and he slapped him in the face mask with a play sheet. He's like, get back. And he got fired because of that. Now, remember last year, Washington played four games. That was it. And they got to the Pac-12 title game, except they had COVID, so they couldn't play. <laughs> I know. It was dumb. But uh, athletic director uh, Jen Cohen pulled the trigger. And <clears throat> and this is a team at Washington is really a sleeping giant because they have money to burn up there. They really do. And I mentioned Don James earlier when I had Phil Steele on the show. He really – he was the patriarch of that program. But they're really the complete personification of why the Pac-12 is so frustrating. They're the last Pac-12 team to get into the playoffs. That's five years ago. And since then, they lost Chris Peterson, their coach. He was the quarterback at Davis when I was playing. By the way, when I was playing college football, Hugh Jackson was a quarterback at UOP. The same age. Uh, I doubt that Chris Peterson would want to go back, and uh, what he would be able to uh, to work there. But there are some other names that have been thrown around. Joe Moorhead, he's the offensive coordinator at Oregon, and this isn't like Alabama hiring Auburn's OC. This doesn't that rivalry doesn't run that deep. But Moorhead has put himself together a. Um, season that could win him the Broyles Award. That's the best assistant coach. Uh, Great play calling uh, as well. You see how he's managed quarterback Anthony Brown. The only thing is, people might not like his look. He's a big, fat guy with glasses and a long gray beard. Should that matter? No, but sometimes... It does. You walk into the room and you're like, this guy can't even take care of himself. How's he supposed to take care of this program? Jay Norvell's at Nevada, and he's already been mentioned for the Wazoo job. So remember Nick Rolovich, the Nevada native, he's already suing (laughs) that school because he didn't uh, get vaxxed and they fired him. So I don't know how that's going to go, but Norvell has a strong... Offensive experience and coached in the NFL for six years. He coached power five, 22 years. And the development of Carson Strong is one of the selling points. But as I said, I'm not a big Carson Strong guy. We'll see. Carson Strong out of Vacaville. Jeff Grimes has been mentioned. He's the OC at Baylor. And back-to-back spectacular years because he was at BYU last year. They hired him away to go to Baylor. And, well, BYU, look at Zach Wilson. He threw 3,700 yards and three picks. And they were number one in yards per play. So he gets hired down to Waco. It's Waco. And Graham has taken a former linebacker named Jerry Bohannon and made him a legitimate run-pass threat. Abram Smith is a 1,000-yard rusher. And uh, Grimes called a really good game in that upset of uh, Oklahoma. Um, and then just a few more names, a um, couple local ones. The San Jose State coach, Brent Brennan, the, uh, he won the Mountain West last year, but now they're 5-6. and six. But uh, he was a graduate assistant for Rick Neuheisel and has been uh, had some local connections. Also, speaking of the Valley, Kalen DeBoer at Fresno State. He's getting a lot of buzz at year two. You got the uh, Washington transfer, Jake Hayner. He's one of the leading quarterbacks in the country. By the way, Jake Hayner's mom, Julie Hayner is the longtime news anchor at KTVU Channel 2 Fox over here in Oakland. Yes, Julie Hayner's son, Jake Hayner. Uh, little Bay Area connection as well. And then one more from the conference, Corvallis... Oregon state's Jonathan Smith and Smith is kind of a loyal beaver himself. He turned around as alma mater, but Washington is an upgrade, and Oregon State does not have the resources, but the thing is is that overall Jonathan Smith is fifteen and twenty six <laughs> can you can you sell that <clears throat> my uh friend um uh, in high school, who was a year behind me, uh, Ray Giacomelli, who terribly terrible. He passed away from cancer a few years ago. But Ray was our, his older brother, um, Mike Giacomelli, was a lineman on that Don James Rose Bowl team. And so just kind of assumed that he was going to go to Washington, too. But uh, I remember when Ray was being recruited, Don James actually came down and watched one of our games in person to try to get him to go to UW which he did, and he got into a fight and got kicked out and then went to Oregon State. But uh, I remember, too, uh, with uh, Joe Cap coming, and Joe Cap came over and brought him a Cal jersey with his name already on it. That's how bad they wanted to get him. But that was really when Washington – another guy from El Cerrito, I remember Andy Breslin, he was a local kid that was playing on that offensive line uh, for uh, Washington – that was uh, when Washington was really kind of coming up. Before that, it was like, oh, yeah, dub big school in Seattle, but they weren't really a power. But since that time, I mean, you think about, was it Ty Willingham when he left uh, Stanford and went up to Washington? That really is a-, a sleeping giant. But the other thing is, as I was talking about Steve Sarkeesian, who's just an absolute disaster at Texas, you don't lose to Kansas if you're the head coach at Texas. I don't care what you're doing especially they got out-coached, they got out-played. And Texas has lost five in a row for the first time since 1956. Do you know that 80% of the United States population wasn't even born yet? 80%. Now, if you're a Jayhawks fan, you're like, what are you talking about? But if you think about how the Orange Bloods, as they're known, they left Daryl K. Royal Stadium at halftime. And that will happen when Kansas scores three touchdowns in 85 seconds. Once again, three touchdowns in 85 seconds. So when you score fifty six points and lose <laughs> fifty seven to fifty six, this you know, I wonder if the SEC wants their money back. Remember? They they're they're supposed to be going over there in a few more years. It's like we don't want them to be there. But you just you look at that that last play there and the two point convert and you just look at it and you you looked at the fans and the and they were stunned and uh, but this is the thing you don't bring a go kart to the Indianapolis five hundred. You look a hundred miles down the road and look at what Baylor's doing. They upset Oklahoma and and Dave Aranda did it with some with, with some panache. But now you got openings at USC. You got openings at Ed Orgeron leaving in Baton Rouge with LSU. It's the thing, and it's funny, just a few months ago, Sark was the guy. He was the guy. He was the best name left on the board. He came highly recommended from Nick Saban. He used to be the quarterback coach of the Raiders. Al Davis offered him the job. He didn't want it. Then he drank too much at USC, got fired. Then he sued the state of California for being fired for his disability, being an alcoholic. But here's the thing. If they fire Steve Sarkeesian, they have to give him $21 million. Can I have that job? All right, when we come back, let's talk to number 29 himself, Eric Dickerson. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violin.
18: With just one spray of Microband 24, your hard surfaces are sanitized for up to 24 hours. Touch after touch after touch.
4: So six hours from now?
18: Still sanitized.
4: 12 hours?
18: Yep.
9: 18 hours. We're really doing this. 24 hours.
18: When used as directed, one spray of Microband keeps killing 99.9% of bacteria touch after touch for, yeah, up to 24 hours. Wow. Microband 24. The sanitizer four out of five doctors would use in their own homes. So why aren't you?
16: Velvety Paper Feel exquisite colors the stunning scale of a massive storefront banner as staples we sweat the details and quality of every print project it's what we call our print big promise we're not only committed to getting your print job right we're committed to treating your small business like a big deal to bringing your ideas to life and giving you guidance from start to finish stop by staples today and try our print big promise you'll be glad you did staples where small business prints big
1: Three one eight hundred seven five four four five three one eight hundred seven five four four five three one. that's eight hundred seven five four
4: forty five thirty one.
7: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. Uh, I don't know what that means. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's a pleasure to welcome one of the greatest running backs of all time, the Hall of Famer, Eric Dickerson. And uh, he is here because he has gotten into the NFT market, partnering with uh, zealous uh, eric uh, welcome to the show this stuff's all new to me it, it, it must be new it must be new to you too right
23: man this stuff is brand new well you know what i ain't gonna say it's that new i've been i talked about it almost two years ago hmm. with uh my business partner a guy named gustavo miguel which i knew nothing about it he was starting to learn about it also and uh, he started playing it more and more. And I mean, I'm gonna tell you, honestly, I'm still learning about it. I'm not, I'm not an NFT expert or nothing like that. But I kind of got a hold of it. And I think the big thing is that it's digital. It's a digital card. It's not like the old paper card. It's something that like, you can pass down. You know, without having, okay, I'm, I got to keep it in mint condition. So, um, and I've seen a couple of them. I saw some of them, some of them before they were actually, you know, put out. I'm like, oh, those are nice. So it is something different.
3: The Dickerson Legendary Collection will be a set of 50 NFTs. It says that combine artistic rarity and VIP experiential benefits to maximize appeal and value. What are some of the things we're talking about here, Eric?
23: Well, one thing is I think um, I know the the person who buys the the number one card, the one of one, got 48 hours to buy that one. They get a chance to go to the um, College Hall of Fame in December uh, with me. um, and that's in, that's at the Aria Hotel, so it's just not getting a card, you know. And I'm always big on I. I really believe that someone who buys something, spend their hard-earned money. I don't care how much money you spend them. It's not that what, about the dollar amount, or whatever it is, is that you should, you know, get just have to talk to that person, interact with them. So that's uh, that's that's one of the pluses. You know, you get a chance to meet me, and also go to the, the, the College Hall of Fame in um, Las Vegas, Nevada. And spend some more money. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: and, and the interesting thing too is that uh, your alma mater SMU, with the AD Rick Hart, they're they're getting on board with this. They're a part of it too, right?
23: Most definitely, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm very happy and very proud of that that, that SMU is getting on board with it. Uh, you know, it's been many, 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 many moons since I've been in college. <laughs> so uh, I'm really happy that that Rick Hart and SMU is getting on
3: board with it. You know, I'm uh I was in high school when you were in college and I still think about the Pony Express and Craig James and Ron Meyer, that that whole thing and, and it, it didn't fade away, at least for me. It's still front and center. Are you are you kinda surprised that the Pony Express is still legendary?
23: Rick, man, yes. I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. My my mom, my mother, my great great aunt who raised me. I was adopted. And I wanted I really wanted to go to Oklahoma. That's why I went to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to USC on a visit to USC. Uh, it was just too far. But where I want to go was OU. and I'll never forget. She likes, so look, son, you're a Texas boy. You ain't I said, I'm an old lady. I can't be flying to no Oklahoma. Why are you <laughs> going to Oklahoma? You need to stay in Texas. <laughs> and she really liked Coach Meyer and SMU. And that was kind of my second choice. But I'll, I'll never forget what she said. There. She said, look, Eric, she said, I'm a lie about football. But they seem to have a lot of guys there that, you know, that have done a lot of great things in Oklahoma. She said, if you go to SMU, she said, What's the kid down the street? And that was Craig James because she heard, you know, and heard that Craig is possible talking about going to SMU too. Mm-hmm. She said, if y'all go there together, y'all could start something they could be talking about forever, Eric. Wow. I mean, forever. And I'm like, wow, she had the foresight that I did not have. So I give her credit uh, for me going to SMU. I'm so glad that I did go to SMU. And like I said, that was Viola Dickerson's vision, and I just followed it.
3: Wow, yeah. She called that totally. And I what I think is interesting too is that. Running backs were always told, don't run upright, don't run upright. And you were completely upright, and you had those knees. So anybody who got in your way was going to get a knee in their jaw. Did you have coaches try to tell you not to run so straight up?
23: All the time. I mean, all the time. So I ran track, and and that was one of the first things. You know, you run too high, son. You got to stay down low. And uh, I said, I mean, it was just I couldn't do it. I tried it, and I just I couldn't do it. I mean, I, you know what I felt? I felt like I was running like the hunchback back from Notre Dame, like I'm trying to stay low. And I just I could I couldn't pull it off, and it just became natural to me. And people don't understand. So I'm tall. I'm I'm six foot three. Mm-hmm. And you know when I put the pads on and, and, and the cleats and everything, I'm about six four. Mm-hmm. And so um, it always looked like I'm running high. But when I came through the line of scrimmage, I was in a crouch position at that point. Mm -hmm. But when I hit the open field, then I seen that track. That track took over, and I stood straight up.
3: I think you had the foresight, too, to put on some goggles to protect your eyes. I mean, everybody has a story. I played D2. We all have stories about getting a fingernail in our eye and anything else. I mean, that was a a look that you kind of pioneered. Man, I
23: hate them glasses. I was blind blind as a bat. I can't see. (laughs) (laughs) I still wear glasses. Trust me, I didn't want to wear them things. I had to wear my, when I, you know, in the '70s, I had to wear my school glasses. Didn't have sports <laughs> glasses yet, with a, with a band around the back of them, and, and they looked ridiculous. And so, when the sports glasses came out, they, they helped a lot. Man, I hated them things. I tried to, I tried not to wear them. Some I'd go with them, the contacts, they would get popped out, so mm-hmm. I, just, I had to, I had to go with the goggles. And, and I guess I, everybody kind of knew me, you know, wearing
3: those those goggles. Couple more questions for Eric Dickerson, partnering with Zealous on some NFTs. I was just talking about a couple of the guys here that you, you've got to be the most famous number twenty nine in sports history. We've had a few baseball players, but I mean, just as far as Hall of Fame, can you think of any other twenty nine that's above you in any other sport?
23: Man, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess not. You know, you know how you know how became, you know how we came. I'm gonna tell the story how we came number twenty nine. So I was nineteen in college. That was my number nineteen, and and I, I always wanted to have something different. I didn't want to be like you know my favorite player was OJ. Mm-hmm. I like Walter. I like Jim, but I didn't want to, Earl. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to wear those numbers. I wanted to be different. So, I took number nineteen, an odd number. I wore it from from my from my sophomore year. My, my my sophomore year all the way through high school through college. And when I got drafted, uh, I got to got to to LA. Uh, that, that that morning, you know, to go to the press conference. And I met with the equipment guy. He said, what number you want? I said, I want number 19, so you can't wear 19. I said, okay. I said, what numbers do you have? He said, we got 25, we got 32, you know, 45, uh, 29, and 40-something. I said, well, i just take number 25. He said, okay. So i take number 25. So I'm standing up next to John Robinson in Georgia Frontier holding up number 25, mm-hmm. and I still have the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, we're standing there on draft day. When I get back, my best friend, he picked me up at the airport, I got back to Dallas late that night. And he said, man, what number did you take? I said, I take number 25. She said, 25? Why you take that slow ass number? That's a slow number. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm like, man, you're right, man. He said, why don't you take 19? I told him, couldn't, I told him so you can't take 19. He said, why do you take 29? I'm like, man, you, I mean, let me tell you something, Rick. I could not hardly sleep that night. I could not wait till the next morning to get up and call back to LA to tell him what to change my number. So I called back to Mr. Hewitt. I said, Mr. Hewitt, uh, I want to change my number. He said, Well, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, but you know, you in the LA Times holding number twenty five, so you gotta do our twenty five. I said, Well, you know what? I'm not coming in. <laughs> he said, Okay, you'll be twenty nine. So that's how that's how I became number twenty nine.
3: That's a great story, and yeah, I think about twenty-five. You know, it's Fred Blitnikoff, great player, but not that fast. <laughs> you <got> it, <laughs> like,
23: that's a slow-ass number. I'll never forget that.
3: Right, that's too funny. So I, I always ask every former Raider if they have a an owl story off the top of their head. You got one?
23: Oh, off the top of my head. Well, I remember when they when they, when they tried when they they went, you know have me come to the Raiders and. uh, you know, the, the thing was is that, you know, they were going. They, their idea was going to get rid of Marcus, going to trade Marcus. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I mean, if I'm gonna come here, you know, I don't, I don't, don't want to try to take another. You know, because I, you know, I respect for another player, certainly Marcus. And because um, you was, you know, you know, being a Reddit is a, a great thing, being a fan for the Raiders. And you know, I've always watched you. You know, I think you're a great player. That 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 that, that, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. And. It was all said and done. I'm like, okay, well, I remember the trade there and I came and gone. I'm like, well, Marcus is still here. You know, I felt bad because, you know, it was, and it was, let me tell you something, it was a debacle that year. We had a lot of great players on that team, but it was a debacle. Mm -hmm. And all I know is this year is that it was times when I was playing, I'll never forget it. One I can think of in particular, we played the the, um, San Diego Chargers, and I had 104 yards at half. And... Guy got a. I mean, I don't know. It was a call came from upstairs, and I was on the bench for the, for the rest of the game.
22: Mm.
23: <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay, this is odd. Wow. I mean, wow. be quiet, be quiet. And they just go to the show. I mean, Al Davis meant everything about that team back then, every day. And so, but I like Al. I really liked him, but I just thought it was just it was, it was just it was very different there. I just put it like that.
3: Fair enough. Wow. Last question for you. Now we have the NIL, the name, image, likeness, and and you're a guy that at the time, if it happened in the late 70s, 80s, you could have cashed in on on that. What do you think about student-athletes now being maybe student employees?
23: Well, first of all, I've always been in favor of the student-athlete getting some kind of money because the universities make all the money. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that, you know, Players, especially, you know, you know, you have all other sports, especially women's sports, and I'm, I'm, I'm all for women's sports. I really am. I'm, I'm, I think that women should get paid like, if you can do the same thing a man does and better, you should get paid like that. But I feel like this, that football runs these universities, the football team. That's where all the money comes from. I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, have you ever seen 80,000 people at a swim meet? <laughs> have you ever seen 100,000 people at a baseball game? No. <laughs> have you ever seen 100,000 people at a track meet? No, unless it's the, unless it's the Olympics. So you got to understand, football runs everything. And I just feel like the players should reap some of the benefits. The university reached it. And the first thing is, oh, we can do a scholarship, but look at all of them. That, that scholarship is paid for in the first year, you know, when I, when I show up to, to, to the university. So I'm for players getting paid. Uh, it's not going to be life-changing money anyway. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys, look, let's be honest, a lot of these athletes, they don't go to school to graduate. Most of them think they're going to play professional football. And a lot of them, I hate to break it to them, they're not. The number is so small, you know, they're fooling themselves. I just wish they would, they, they give them, that gives them something, just something, a little bit of something, you know, to have, you know, when they get out of school or while they're in school.
3: No doubt. I want to remind everybody that the NFT auctions will begin on the 17th. Go to SMU. NFT.io, the legendary editions lasting 24 hours, then the one-of-one uh, one one Hall of Fame edition for 48 hours, and you can purchase a credit card, and NFTs will be able to transfer to multiple crypto wallets like MetaMask or Rainbow, and for more information on ZList, go to ZList.io as well. Hey, uh, Eric Dickerson, thanks for coming on, man. Great talking football with you. Thanks for the stories. Oh, thank you. Okay. Alright, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back, y'all.
1: That's 855-325-1780.
0: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
4: When do broadcasters go too far? Where does
1: hilarity stop and vulgarity begin?
18: I remember how it all began. I used to sing dirty raps to my east side fans. Back then, I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that. When the style came to base.
7: Don't ask Rick Tittle to bring it, because it already done got brought.
3: It got brought. By the way, last night in the Raiders' humiliating defeat to Kansas City in their home stadium there in Vegas, they uh, <clears throat> there was a pair of scissors on the field, and uh, obviously it was probably something from pregame when a trainer was brought out a bag and it fell out, or maybe just crossing the field it fell out, or cutting tape off, or maybe somebody had it in their sock by mistake. I don't know. But <clears throat> people kind of laughed. but it reminded me of when I played and coached at my alma mater, Salesian High in Richmond, California, and our preseason games were against all the obli- uh, Oakland public schools, which we would trounce, by the way, but it would be Oakland, Oakland Tech, Fremont, Skyline, Castlemont, McClymons. We'd play those teams. And there was stuff on the field, let's just say. (laughs) One time, a giant folding knife, some hypodermic needles, a lot of broken bottles were out there. When I coached, the Mission High Gold Rush came over from San Francisco, and one of their players had a giant knife in their sock, and I thought, what's the thinking of this idiot 16-year-old, that there's going to be a team fight and he was going to start stabbing people? Was was that the idea? You know, this is the kind of uh, idiocy that you can't, I mean, that's just, I always feel like when you're that dumb, there's no hope for you. Like, you're not going to become Jeff Bezos and like, oh, yeah, when I was in high school, I took a knife to the football game in case there was a team fight. But anyway, people were outraged that there were some scissors. Like I said, it probably just fell out of a trainer's bag crossing the field. But I've seen way worse, girl. Yeah, I surely have. And that ain't good. I've seen a lot of dumb stuff <clears throat> on a football field. <laughs> I've seen a lot of – well, I'll tell you this. One time uh, we were walking across the field to shake hands after a game, and my head coach said, get ready to fight because I'm going to punch this coach in the face. And at that point, you can't back out. You have to get his back even though you don't want to fight. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so great. And then he got to the other side and shook the guy's hand, and I was like, Phew. Thank you for not involving me in this stupid brawl. Great story, great way to end the show. I got a million anecdotes, and they're all gold. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Titillating Sports.